0: Radio Influence. Podcasting Redefined. Welcome everyone to the Corporate Tea Podcast. This is my first podcast and I'm so excited to finally be at this juncture so people can stop emailing me and DMing me about doing my own podcast. As you know, I've been featured on a ton of different podcasts, but it's good to be building my own home, and as I do that, in the spirit of the Corporate Tea, it's only right that I bring some of my amazing friends along to discuss um, all things career and all things diversity, equity, and inclusion. So today with me, I'm so excited to have uh, Jaya Thomas, um, who was on a podcast, kind of, virtual conference with me um, last year, and she is just such a light, and doing so many amazing things. So first, I'm gonna before I you know turn it over to to Jaya. I'm going to uh, tell you a little bit about her. Uh, Jaya Thomas is a Los Angeles-based sports and entertainment attorney. Uh, she has over 10 years of experience practicing on both coasts. In addition to practicing law, she's also an adjunct instructor at UCLA and the founder of Diverse Representation. She founded it in 2018, and the mission of Diverse Representation is to increase the hiring and exposure of Black agents, attorney uh, attorneys, managers, and publicists in the sports and entertainment industries. In addition to providing the first ever comprehensive directory of Black agents, attorneys, managers, and publicists in the sports and entertainment industry, Diverse representation also curates various programs, events, and initiatives at the intersection of sports, entertainment, and diversity. So welcome, Jaya, to my Thank first
1: you. ever. I feel like we need like some like background music. Like, Thank ah, you. Clapping. <laughs> yes. Thank clapping you for i all-
0: Super
1: excited for
0: you. Yeah, no, and I'm so excited that you would be my first ever guest. Um, because look. I I'm not even blowing like you up but you really are kind of a big deal. And um yeah. she's like, "Oh, thank you." No, like let's just give you your flowers while you're alive. You are some a a, a big deal. Um and you're doing amazing things. Um and so I I'm, I'm just excited that you said yes. So we're just going to jump in, right? Okay. Just jump in the deep end of the pool. And we're going to kind of have two different conversations. One first is about your career because we know that there's going to be so many people watching and I wouldn't be the, you know, the corporate T if I didn't talk about your corporate career. And I, you know, and, and, if, and that's important because, you know, as you probably do get tons of people who DM you, they want you to mentor them and they want to know how you got to. And they're so interested. I mean, if I had a dollar for every time I got an email like that, I'd be rich. So let's talk a little bit about your own career journey and and the any adversities that you face. But what tell us a little bit about b- becoming a sports um, and entertainment attorney. What led you to that? You know what drew you to that? And you, I don't think kids just wake up and like you know I want to be a, a sports and entertainment attorney. So how did you make that decision? And then talk a little bit about your professional background and 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 you know how you got here today.
1: Sure, sure. So um, a little bit about my background. Um, Ever since I can remember, I've always wanted to be a lawyer. Um, I'm originally from Cincinnati, Ohio. And my parents will tell you, you know, ever since I could probably talk or, you know, knew what a lawyer actually was, that's that I knew that was my career path, because I saw it as a vehicle to help people, especially people who look like me. And so I've just always wanted to be an attorney. And I really kind of just stuck Through that stuck with that throughout the years. Um, After I graduated from high school, I went to college in upstate New York. um, And then I went to law school in Washington, DC. And honestly, when I went to law school, I was not planning on being a sports and entertainment lawyer. I wanted to be a civil rights lawyer. Um, My dream was always to, like I said, help people who look like me. And I thought the best way to do that was to be a civil rights lawyer. And so, you know, going into law school, I had you know, intern for like the department of justice and on Capitol Hill. And that, I thought that was really going to be my pathway. Um, but then when I was in school, my second year, I got an internship working for the TV show Dateline and just really fell in love with it. Loved, um, television industry, loved being on set, loved going out to shoots. I just found it to be like very interesting and fascinating. And so that was kind of my first, um, my first entryway into entertainment law. And so after I graduated from law school, I moved to New York city, Um, unfortunately did not end up working in entertainment law, just kind of doing civil litigation work, was doing that for a few years. And after doing that, you know, I this it kind of kept coming back to me, like wanting to get into entertainment. Like I really want to try to get into the entertainment space. And so to do that, I figured, you know, I think I'm going to have to move to Los Angeles to do that. I think I need to be in LA if I really want to get into entertainment. So this is going to show how old I am. Um, I found an apartment off Craigslist and bought a one-way ticket to Los Angeles. Um, I quit that job I was working at in New York as a civil litigator and just bought a one-way ticket out here. I didn't know anybody at the time. I didn't have a job. I didn't have a car. Uh, I just bought a one-way ticket and it was like, I'll figure it out when I get here. So, got here and um, it was challenging. It was hard. (laughs) I definitely won't say it was like a walk in the park. Um, LA is a very different beast compared to the East Coast. So, once I did get out here, though, one thing I realized was that if I really wanted to get into the entertainment space, I understand the legal industry, but I didn't really understand the entertainment industry. You know, I don't really know how a film is made or the steps to actually, you know, make a, a TV show. And so I decided to go back to school and did a certificate program at UCLA on television and film producing, just to kind of learn the inner workings of how the industry works. Um, So I did that, and then I cold called places uh, to get a job. Uh, Once again, showing my age, my first job was working for Will Smith, um, his production company, Overbrook Entertainment, and that was just through cold calling people, cold calling companies. Um, So did that during the day, was going to school at night, and. Yeah. You know, kind of a lot transpired between then and now, but eventually I decided to just start my own practice focused on sports and entertainment. Um, So now as a sports and entertainment lawyer, on the entertainment side, I primarily work with actors, um, writers, producers and TV and film. And on the sports side, I work with athletes, um, current athletes and professional athletes at the intersection of sports and entertainment. So athletes who have their own production companies, or athletes who you know are starring in some of our favorite TV shows or movies. Um, that's kind of the work I do day to day. Um, and I also represent some in social media influencers and and other folks kind of in, in various facets of the entertainment industry. So. I hope that wasn't too long-winded, but that's no, a
0: little it was perfect. <laughs> right, first of all, I think this kind of captures why I think you're so dope, right? It's like girlfriend's like, yeah, you know, my first job after call calling was Will Smith's production company, just like you know, slight step, slight flex, but. I think that that that's so awesome, you know, just to hear your background, because I think they're going to be people who are generally just interested in what you do. But I think in talking about that and when you were saying, like telling my age, I was like, well, we clearly are around the same age, you know, like Craigslist, <laughs> MySpace. Like, yes, we were we actually were born before there was social. Um, so exactly. and, and actually educated, grown up, went to college before there was like an actual Facebook. Um, oh. Yeah. So but one of the things that came up for me while you were telling your story is like, I think people, um, particularly younger professionals that are listening to your story and looking at, oftentimes I see people who wanna know the translation when they're asking me a question is more about how do I get what you have right now? And not necessarily asking me what adversities I had to face to get. So you're looking at the end result of like many no's Many, many crying nights, um, you know, microaggressions, everything that comes. So let's talk a little bit about the adversity you faced, which I think will be a good segue to diverse representation, but also like, what, what does it look like to become a sports and entertainment? You kind of glossed over, like, what is the challenge? Like, you started your own practice, but what are some of the things that you faced before that? Like, that's important, I think, for us to tell the full scale of the story, because it's hard out here, particularly for Black women.
1: Is. it's it's and this could be a completely separate podcast in and of itself just talking about the adversities um you know honestly at the end of the day the legal industry is still dominated by by white men you know um and so that's an adversity in and of itself I'm an outlier you know I'm a black woman um with the name Jaya <laughs> and then I'm an outlier you know with regards to what um the legal industry primarily looks like. The legal industry is still primarily old white men, if I'm being honest. And so I don't necessarily, I don't fit into that mold. And so that has always been a challenge, um, kind of breaking through breaking through that, you know, yeah. um, breaking through the old guard and um, almost having to prove myself in some ways has been a yeah. challenge. As, challenge.
0: As, as if your education and experience wasn't enough. Right. <laughs>
1: Never mind the fact that I went to a law school much higher rank than yours. but Yeah, yeah. Tomato. let's forget
0: about that. Or that I actually went back to school to UCLA. Forget all of that. I'm just, you right. know, i got to prove myself, right?
1: Made a tomato. Yeah. So I passed the bar on the first time and it took you several. But, you know, we won't get into those details. Um, but that's definitely a, uh, has been a challenge. And then I think another challenge that kind of stems from that a little bit are also the preconceived notions of what an effective lawyer looks like, you know? A lot of people, even people who look like me, do have these preconceived notions that like, if I want a good lawyer, that lawyer has to be a man. If I want a good lawyer, that lawyer has to be white, you know? And so, kind of constantly having to work against the preconceived notions of what a good lawyer looks like has also been a challenge as well. I've had people come up to me and say, I don't want you as an attorney, you seem really nice, but I want a Jewish lawyer.
0: Yeah, I can imagine that there are certain tropes and stereotypes about what success looks like. I think primarily when you have operated, even for me, from a corporate perspective in white oriented spaces, that always seems to be the center, right? And that seems to be the standard. And so I can only imagine in sports and entertainment, especially when the purview is that this is tied to me making it out, getting an opportunity or making money, that the best advocate is going to be someone who has sort of a quote unquote advantage, right, or privilege. And so how have you managed that in proof to your own clients? Like how, you know, have you convinced, how did you convince people like I'm the person for you?
1: Yeah, honestly, you know, I just let my work speak for itself, you know. Um, so it's gotten to the point now that like if someone says, you know, I want a, a Jewish attorney, it's like you're so confused, like it's not even worth me going down that rabbit hole with you. So
0: go and do what go, you, feel go, like be you
1: go, go be blessed. Go be blessed. Yes. I think, think it's yeah, I, I don't, it's I don't because- have the bandwidth to undo years of brainwashing. So <laughs> go do what you feel like you need to do. Um But otherwise, you know, I just let my work speak for itself at the end of the day. Um, And I have some amazing clients and I have amazing clients who refer other clients, you know, and so that's just really helped me out tremendously over the years.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think there's something to be said about, you know, really authentically knowing who your client is. And I think even on the corporate side, right? You know, when I, whenever I talk to people, I'm like, listen, like, this is who I, I'm at a point in my career where it's like, I don't have to do this. I don't have to do this for you. I don't have to be a face. If that's what you want, you are free to go do so. Right. Right. And I think there's so much power (laughs) and, and I, and here's the thing. It's sort of this Mike Jones effect, right? You know, you are, we're kind of taught, know we're chasing right this identity from the very beginning right and there's so much unlearning as you are doing this journey particularly um doing diversity equity and inclusion work and your first person that you serve is yourself right you you are the first person that you start to like awake right in this journey and at some point, it's so interesting. I fought for so much validation in corporate for so many years, right? I shed so many tears, but the moment that I chose myself and I got very clear about like what my superpower was, like I'm dope, this is what it is. If, if it doesn't align, that's okay. And when I got comfortable with the no, it seemed like, and I don't know if this is the same for you, now all of a sudden I'm hot like Mike Jones. Like now everybody wants to talk to me. You know, I remember a time where like, I wouldn't wear braids to an interview, you know? Now, listen, I might wear a fro. Like, it's just really (laughs) how I'm feeling that day. And the interesting thing is what I learned is that people will adapt to whatever you accept for yourself.
1: Totally.
0: You know what I mean? And I'm sure you're learning that, too, in your journey. So let's talk a little bit about diverse representation, right? Um, Because, one, I stand it. Like, I just... I'm not even in entertainment, but you know, one day I might reach influence level and, and needed an attorney or some representation. But so let's talk about that and how that came to be and why, you know, what, what kind of problem are you trying to solve in the world with diverse representation?
1: Great question. So ugh, I'm trying to try to keep it as succinct as possible, but, um, Just being a black woman lawyer in the sports and entertainment industry, honestly, it's always kind of been in the back of my mind, and it's always kind of bothered me a bit to see so many black athletes and so many black entertainers not have black folks on their team. Um, You know, so that's always kind of been something in the back of my mind to see these NBA players and these NFL players making, you know, $30 million a year with white agents, white managers, white publicists, white attorneys, white assistants, white accountants. You know, and it's always just kind of been something in the back of my mind. And then recently in 2018, I, when Black Panther came out, I remember having a conversation with one of my girlfriends who is a black publicist out here in Los Angeles. And we were talking about how everyone was so excited about Black Panther and all this diversity on screen and Hollywood is like doing such a better job with diversity. And we started wondering like who represents all of the actors though in Black Panther, you know, no one's talking about that. Let's do some research and find out. And when I did the research, I found out the entire cast had white agents, white managers, white publicists, and only Lupita had a black lawyer. Everyone else had white lawyers. And I'm like, this is crazy to me. Yeah. (laughs) This is crazy to me. And, you know, especially recently, I feel like so many black athletes, so many black actors, are screaming about like being pro black and loving black people but then it's like you look at their team and there are no black people on their teams and so for me it's just like there's this disconnect here you know oh, yeah. and i just felt like as black people we make this these industries so much money we make sports industry billions of dollars we make the entertainment industry billions of dollars but we don't see a lot of that money you know we don't do a great job of keeping that money within our own communities right so after Black Panther came out, I was like, oh no, this has to change. So that's that weekend, I decided to buy a domain name, Diverse Representation, and I said, I'm going to put together a directory of all the Black attorneys, all the Black agents, all the Black managers, and all the Black publicists in sports and entertainment across the country so no one can ever use the excuse anymore of, I can't find one, you know, because I've heard that a lot too. I can't find a Black publicist. I can't oh, find Oh, yeah.
0: One.
1: Well, yeah. here's a free website now that lists everybody. So now if you don't have one, it's going to have to be for another reason. But my ultimate goal with diverse representation is just to make sure that more athletes and entertainers are hiring Black folks on their team, you know, and that we're doing a better job of keeping the money within our own communities. Um, That's my ultimate aim at the end of the day.
0: Yeah. And I think that is um, not only brilliant, um, right, which is like, you know, I'm solving for a for a, a, a perceived problem, because really the reality is, is that we exist in all our fullness and talent and all of that, but more so that it's kind of eye-opening again around the fact that you discover that there wasn't, th- that that many of the stars just didn't have diverse representation. And, you know, I, my, my real question to you is that, like, where do you think that impression, right, has come from, right? And I think when we think about systemic issues, oftentimes, you know, everyone talks about, um, you know, sort of the man, right, the system. But I often say, like, you know, when we think about racism, as opposed to being like, you know, am I racist or am I pro-Black or am I anti-Black? you know, my, my thing is like, how are you participating? And even as a black female who might be considered middle-class and like, how am I participating and where, who I hire, which is one of the reasons why, like, I have a black attorney, I have a black accountant. Um, right. Um, it was important. I just filmed with LinkedIn. And one of my, one of my questions was, can I have a diverse team um, to film? And it's actually was something that people don't ask often. Like they're like, no one's ever asked us, can they have a diverse team lighting the producer on set, right? Um, now they had to scramble a little bit, but yeah, I mean, that's the you know, those are the things that those are the things that you can do. You can ask, you know, can I have a diverse team? So saying that to say,, um, do you think that part of changing the narrative is also a responsibility on us to change the narrative in our own heads as well, about what the standard of great really is. Kind of, that's a boxing in question. Like you can't say no, but, <laughs> <laughs> but you could, you could say no. So what are your thoughts?
1: No, I mean, absolutely, yes. Um, I, I think once again, a lot of us have kind of these preconceived notions of what a good team looks like, you know, what effective representation looks like. And I'm working to help kind of, break that cycle break break those change those mindsets um and I think that's part of the reason why you know not a ton of black athletes have black folks on their team and same for black talent uh, but part of the reason also is you know the networks you know sometimes an athlete will will get a white agent and they'll ask their agent hey I need an accountant yeah and that agent will refer his white friend who's an accountant yeah. Yeah. and so then we're with this other white friend who's a financial advisor. You know what I mean? So that's part of the problem too. And and one thing I wanted to do with diverse representation is to make sure that like we all know each other too. Like as a black entertainment lawyer, yeah. I make sure I know all the black entertainment agents. I need to know all the black entertainment publicists so that when I have clients asking me for a referral, I know who to refer. You know what I mean? Right. We all know each other to be able to do that. And so that's part of my mission was diverse representation too, when I launched it, there were a ton of agents in Hollywood who had no idea that some of these attorneys even existed, you know? And so that's really important as well, making sure we all know each other too.
0: And I think that's a good segue to my next question, which is, you know, the summer of last year, we, we, you and I have been doing this work, right? (laughs) Like we have been immersed in this conversation around diversity, equity, and inclusion for years. Yeah. And suddenly we are hot in these streets, like 100%. It ain't a day that goes by that I don't get an inquiry about a job. There isn't a day I don't get like people are reaching out. They want me to speak. They want me all of those things. Um, let's talk a little bit about what is happening in the world. Is it an awakening? Is it, a, is it somewhat performative? Um, is it going to go away? Are we going to stay hot? Like, what are your thoughts on (laughs) this conversation that's happening now? Parts of it I appreciate, right? Because it's given me an opportunity to talk about, particularly to talk about Black and Latinx communities in a way that I've never been able to advocate for. Um, And to say things I've been able to say in corporate spaces, use the word racism outright, use the word privilege outright. Like, those things were not happening. And I appreciate the shift to be able to really root people in educations on racial equity, but I'm not sure this is gonna stay. So I wanna get your opinion on, have you been getting all the calls? and And has that, even for the people you represent, has that increased their opportunities? Like, What does it look like in sports and entertainment right now with everything that's going on?
1: yeah great question i mean yes when everything transpired last summer the phones were ringing off the hook emails coming in all the networks all the studios you know wanted to make sure they were you know pro black and and doing their part you know um and i'm trying to be positive here but i i don't i honestly don't think you know this is gonna last forever i think this is a moment in time um I don't know how long it's going to last, you know, but do I think it's going to last forever? No. Out here in Hollywood, do I feel like most of what was done last summer and up until now was performative? Yes. Um, There are a small number of companies who have, I think, taken substantive steps to make some changes. But for the most part, you know, what happened out here was a lot of networks, a lot of studios just kind of wrote checks you know what i mean they they wrote checks to black lives matter and said hey we did our part
0: we know? did our part yeah
1: meanwhile all the black employees at their companies are like struggling and you know yes. suffering yeah. but they wrote check to black lives matter so you know they they're like well we did our part we're good yeah. you know yeah. um so yeah i think a lot was performative you know i think a lot was cutting checks i think was a lot a lot was putting out statements i think a lot was you know tweeting out hashtags um and you know what's really come of that at the end of the day. A yeah. lot was also a lot of people also start hiring DNI. You know um, executives, yeah. so saw so a lot of that as well, which is which is great. But you know you need to have black folks at your companies who not only just do DNI, but also are lawyers and are also you know.
0: Oh yeah, like sponsors, fill your you know, entire team. You know, yes. absolutely
1: yeah. across the board. So, across
0: the board, yeah.
1: I've seen some companies, um, I'd I say 90% of what I've seen out here has been performative. And there are a few companies who I think really are doing the work. I think time will tell. I'll be curious, like once we hit that June mark, after a year has passed, I would love to kind of see numbers. I would love to kind of see some of these companies really publish the yeah. results of, yeah. you know, just come out. What is What has transpired over the past year?
0: Yeah, I put a post out Um back in like February, like, hey, all of the companies that put up black squares, now you know what we want for Black History Month? We want to know how you're doing. (laughs) Right? Update. Yeah, like let us know, give us an update, let us know the metrics, right? And so I think, you know, to your point, um, Jaya, it it is about, you know, the proof is in the pudding, right? I mean, at the end of the day, you're either doing the work or you're not. (laughs) Right. Um, so with that said, those were the toughest questions. That was such a, a great um segue to just how I want to leave this conversation. One is, um, what, what's, what's a piece of advice that you've gotten one or two pieces of advice that has carried you through your career. And as as the CEO of a company as well, what, what's what's some advice you've gotten that you're like, I'm going to take this with me forever.
1: Um, I think one piece of advice I've gotten is, I think sometimes, well, not sometimes, a lot of times, society, school, will tell you that there's only one path to get to where you want to go. You know, one plus one equals two. To get to C, you have to do A plus B. Um, and one piece of advice that I've gotten is, um, there's no one clear path to success, you know? And there's no, no one clear path to get to yeah. where you want to go. So really be open to trying new things, going new places, um, and kind of really just jumping out there um yeah. I, that's definitely been a, a big a key piece of advice that i follow have followed over the years um another piece of advice i've probably gotten is the importance of like outsourcing um <laughs> yeah. especially for anyone who like wants to be an entrepreneur or you know just in general like none of us are our masters at everything you know uh, we kind of have our lane We have our skill sets, and I think it's really important for us to stick to those and hire out the experts to help out with everything else that, you know, is not within our lane. I think that's really key as well. Um, So, yeah, I would say those are kind of two pieces. I mean, there's a ton of advice, but those are probably two key pieces. Yeah,
0: yeah. So what I heard you say was, one, the journey is more like a jungle gym than a a ladder. Like you- totally. Right. Like you you're there are many paths forward. And even when people reach out to me and they are asking me about like I'm interested in DNI and I'm like, hey, like there are many ways. There are people who came from the business. There are people who grew up in HR. Like there, there isn't one way to skin a cat. And if you're looking at my outcome, um, I don't know that there's a, a blueprint, right? It's like, what do you want to do and how do you want to do it um and go after it? Right. I think the other thing, um you know really is just you know i mean be true to yourself right i mean that's really what i hear you saying so yeah. if there was anything that you wanted to leave people with regarding diverse representation and how we close the gap <laughs> right how do we how do we change the narrative what would that what would that be what would be like your final piece of advice about what companies and organizations and um, people in general, whether they're entrepreneurs, whether they're in sports and entertainment or traditional corporate trajectories, what, what should they be doing as it relates to uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion?
1: Yeah, I think one thing is um, always dig deeper. Um, you know, I, I think one thing that I've seen a lot of the DNI space is that, you know, sometimes a company will kind of, out a statement or or do x y and z and a lot of times we'll just kind of take it at face value and say okay that's great and like move along but i think it's really important for all of us to like ask questions dig deeper don't just you know take what whatever somebody is saying and 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 run a walk walk away with it you know ask questions dig deeper and um yeah i mean that's something i i do all the time like you know when when i hear someone say oh we're doing this this and this i dig deeper and see like okay but what are you really doing like i want to get beyond the surface level of what this looks like or appears to be and i think that's really important um and my other piece of advice for you know anyone in, in the dni space or, or looking to um Help out in this space at all is we can all do our part. You know, not all of us necessarily have to start companies or like be experts. We can all do our like individual parts. You know, what, whatever that may look like in your own household, in your own community. You know, I think that's really important. Like, we don't always have to think about DNI from like this macro level of like we all need to be experts and speakers
0: now. Like, can we can I, all- let me let's pause there because <laughs> I need to like do a church run right. <laughs> the thing is, is this, like, leave, leave the experting to the experts. And yeah. right now, because this is so provocative, I'm seeing so many people, they were, like, motivational speakers. Now they're a racial equity, a social justice activists you know, DEI experts. And I'm like, yesterday you were talking about like imposter syndrome or happiness or whatever. I'm confused on what's happening right now, right? So the reality is, is that even when young people reach out to me, I'm like, the first place you can start, like I was an advocate and as passionate as I am today before I had a title, right? Yeah. Before this lane really even existed, I was doing that work, right? the center of being a bridge builder and advocating for equity has always been my heart. It is not because this work is attractive to me for clout, right? And on top of that, it's also, people don't realize that the, ro- the jobs look fancy, but it is primarily one of the hardest jobs to do because there is a double consciousness. I have the lived experiences as a black female, right? But I'm also having to advocate not only just for black people, but all, all marginalized groups. And there are many times, well, in the middle of that, I am microaggressed in trying to explain that to in white oriented spaces. And so there, this isn't an easy job that people should be signing up for because they believe that the only thing they're going to do is be it's it's going to be more rooted in their own personal identity politics than it is the real work that it takes to do this. And a lot of the backend work, the data, the metrics, the analytics, the understanding of how you build integrated strategy and in large corporations, organizations, it takes time and experience and it's not easy. And it's also not fun and it's not sexy. We just got sexy post last summer and it still ain't sexy. Like the work is still not sexy, right? So I really appreciate you you saying that right like just coming out and saying like listen like you can just do do some good old volunteerism start where you are <laughs> you know solve for what you can solve for with what's in your hand as opposed as opposed to trying to jump in as an expert you know it's like you spent 14 years as an engineer and now you're DEI expert right like it just doesn't make sense and I have so many people like how can I pivot and I'm like you can't. Like that's just like, and it's the funny thing is like, listen, I have people who will text me and they'll be like, hey, can you give me some buzzwords? And it's like, I would never call you Jaya and be like, hey, you know what? Tomorrow, um, you know, I Kim Kardashian my my law degree, so I would like for you to give me some buzzwords for my interview. Like, it is offensive, people. It is offensive. Okay, you can't, you cannot pivot. Okay, you can't skip my 18 year career. You can't. That's you just can't. So. That was my that was my my moment of uh, my my quick sermon and testimony he <laughs> struck a chord there.
1: So real. So I've seen so many people pop up over the past year that are like DNI experts now, and I'm like, okay, <laughs>
0: I see it. Yes. So Jaya, thank you so much um, for just coming and chatting with me, and and for and for doing the real work. This is this podcast is all about featuring people who have done the real work. Um, so I really appreciate you being here. Where um, can people find and connect with you? Where where can they find you?
1: Sure. So I am on Instagram at Jaya Thomas. I'm also on Twitter at Jaya Thomas. My account was recently hacked, so I'm just now getting it backed. Oh, no. um, People can follow Diverse Representation on Instagram at Diverse Representation um, and Twitter at Diverse Rep. If any of your listeners are ever looking for Black attorneys, publicists in sports and entertainment, please go to our website. We have a full database. We also do a lot of different programs and events, so if you have any listeners interested in getting into – sports or entertainment. Um we have a lot of different pipeline programs and initiatives focused on ushering more black folks into these spaces.
0: Yeah. And likewise you guys can find me at the corporate tea on all social channels. You can also find the corporate tea podcast. It'll be available on Apple, uh Spotify, I Heart radio Google Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, and of course radioinfluence.com, who this podcast is powered by. I really appreciate your time, Jaya, and thank you so much. Thank
1: you, and congratulations on the new podcast.